Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Luke, chapter 1, so grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Has anyone ever told you a secret and then they said, you can't tell anybody. Anybody? Anybody? Yeah, that's, that's most of us. They say you can't tell. That's awful, especially if the secret they tell you is really juicy. I, I, mean, I mean, really exciting. And, uh, and then you tell someone that you trust and, and you say to them, hey, but you can't tell anybody. And then that person finds someone they trust And they say, well, you can't tell anybody, and the secret isn't a secret any longer. Somebody once said that a secret in the church is what you tell one person at a time. You need to write that down. (laughs) It's what you tell one person at a time. Well, if you've been with us over the last couple of Sundays, you know that we looked at uh, two people who had got some incredible news, but they couldn't tell anybody. And those two people were Mary and who else? Zacharias. Well, you know the story. When Mary got the news that she was going to be the mother of God, she couldn't tell anybody because no one would believe her and she would risk her reputation. And Zacharias couldn't tell anybody because, well, he couldn't speak. So he couldn't tell anybody. And then Mary, you know, were you with me last week? She finally takes off and she goes to Elizabeth and tells her, and they rejoice. And then Mary, remember last week? Mary wrote a song. The title, the name of the song is called the Magnificat. That's the Latin for the word magnify. Mary wrote a song. As you read the book of Luke, and as you study the gospel of Luke, you will find in Luke, particular to Luke, other than any other gospel, you will find many people who have written songs. Last week, we talked about Mary's song called the Magnificat. Later on, we'll look at a song that a man named Simeon, he wrote. And then last week, uh, we looked at the song, today actually, we'll look at the song of Zechariah. As Zechariah writes a song, we have the song of the angels. So in the book of Luke, you'll find there's a lot of songs being written uh, more than any other gospel. So today we come to, again, another song, and this one's written by Zacharias, as I said, and it's called the Benedictus, the Benedictus. We got a lot to cover, so let's jump right in. Luke chapter 1, saints, we pick up in verse 57. If you're looking at it, say amen. Amen. And some of y'all ain't looking. Luke chapter 1, verse 57, are you looking at it? Say amen. amen. Now, Elizabeth full time came for her to be delivered and she brought forth a son 
And when her neighbors and relatives heard how the Lord had shown great mercy to her, what did they do? They rejoiced with her. And so it was in verse 59 on the eighth day, underline that, that they came to circumcise the child and they would have called him by the name of his father, Zacharias. But his mother answered and said in verse 60, no, he shall be called, who saints? John. But they said to her, there is no one among your relatives who is called by this name. And so they made signs to his father, which by the way indicates that not only could he not speak, but he also couldn't hear because they made signs to his father what he would have him called. And he asked for, he, Zacharias, his father, asked for a writing tablet. And he wrote saying, his name is John. You know, I get the impression, I get the impression that Zachariah, he says his name like emphatic. His name is John. Like, we are not going to discuss what his name is. Because the last time we discussed what his name was, I lost my voice. (laughs) So it's like, his name is John. We don't want no drama. We ain't going to talk about it. So they all marvel. Now, immediately, notice in verse 64, are you looking at it? If you're looking at it, say, I'm looking at it. Immediately, his mouth was open and his tongue loosed. And he spoke praises to God. And then came fear on all who dwelt around them. And all these sayings were discussed throughout all the hill country of Judea. And all those who heard them kept them in their hearts saying, underline this, what kind of child will this be? And the hand of the Lord was with him. Saints, we need to stop right there. Give me your attention. Remember, as I told you last week, Mary went to Elizabeth's house and stayed with her until the birth of John. Her friends and neighbors came over to rejoice with her. On the eighth day, according, listen, on the eighth day, according to Jewish tradition and according to verse 59, on the eighth day, the boy was circumcised. Also on the eighth day, a boy, a male child would be named. Now, if a woman had a female child, that child could be named within 30 days. But on the eighth day, if it was a boy, he would be named. It's very interesting in those days, get this, if a woman was pregnant and she's about to deliver and um, she's just about to deliver, a music band would come. A whole band of people would come. She's just about to deliver and they're ready to play. Somebody goes in, she has the baby, the band is waiting, the family is waiting, everyone's waiting. The person comes out and says, it's a boy. The band begins to play and they play music for about two weeks in celebration of a boy. Now, if the person goes in and comes out and says it's a girl, well, the band will then pack it up and go home. (laughs) Look, I'm just a Bible teacher here. Don't shoot the messenger, okay? It's like they would go, it's like, it's a girl. Oh, okay. Now I got to tell y'all a little secret. Don't tell nobody, all right? But we, you know, I have, (laughs) 
<laughs> you know I have seven grand girls. And, uh, and so we have been through this six times. We're at the hospital on the 7th. This is over there, down there at Big Wig. We're, we're, and, and so we're there. It's 3 o'clock in the morning. My, my, in the morning, my, my daughter, we, we're there. We're in our pajamas. We got Pringles and pretzels and all kinds of stuff. We're camping out, y'all. And we're waiting and waiting. So they go in and they come out and they said, uh, and mind you, we got six girls already. And so, and uh, they come out, the doctor comes out, and he goes, oh, and we're, we're out there praying. We're fat. I mean, we are, one, we are on our face in the lobby, y'all. I mean, anointing oil all over the chairs and everywhere. We want a boy. We don't, we don't, we trying to get this thing right. We want a boy because we think we can get us a boy finally. It's either that or a male German shepherd. So we're thinking something's going to change. We're going to get a boy today. It's going to happen. When a guy comes out and he says, well, I want you to know he's all happy. You all have, it's like 14 of us there. We, it's a girl. <laughs> and we go, oh, okay. <laughs> and the security person on our way out, he says, excuse me. He says, you know, I've never seen a, a family leave so sad. Is everything? <laughs> I was like, you just don't understand. We have so much estrogen in our house that Thanksgiving is ridiculous. I have to go outside. It's like, Aah! Thanksgiving is torturous for me. Christmas is torturous for me. I am having an issue. I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. I can do this. So in the Jewish culture, if it was a boy, they had a celebration. If it was a girl... Well, then they would all then go home. Now, also get this, according to Jewish tradition, the job, listen, of naming a child was the mom's job. And they would name a child, did you know? They would name a child based on a particular character or circumstance. You see, in our culture, we know nothing about that. We name children based on the names we like. What, you know, we hear a nice name. We go, oh, that's a pretty name. We need to name our next kid that or something like that. And we just randomly name, you know, our kids, you know, Shaniqua Lashonda Bernstein. I mean, you know, something like that. I mean, we just kind of whatever. But in their culture, <laughs> in their culture, they didn't do that. They named their children based on, I mean, I got no problem with Shaniqua. Don't misunderstand me. Okay, fine. And... <laughs> And, and they named their children based on a circumstance or based on a character. And it was the job of the mom. Don't you remember? Rachel and Leah named their 12 sons. Hannah named Samuel. Rebecca and Isaac had Jacob and Esau. And here's a character or a circumstance. Esau was hairy. Don't you remember? And his name means hairy. And Jacob, his name means heel catcher or crumb snatcher. Because he was beginning, when he was born, he was grabbing the heel of his other brother Esau. As a matter of fact, did you know this? I told you guys I'm a collector of useless information. And did you know this? I found this out, that Jacob is the most popular name used in the United States today. Jacob is the most popular name. Now, oftentimes God would change their name, which spoke of a transformation in character or destiny. So the people wanted Elizabeth to name the boy um, um, Zach Jr. They wanted them to name him after his dad, Zach Jr. Elizabeth says no, his name, and John says no, his name is going to be, or Zacharias says no, his name is going to be John. 
But Zacharias asked for a writing tablet and he played Pictionary with them, if you will. And he said his name is John. And immediately he could talk again in verse 64. I mean, think about that. Have you ever thought about this? After nine months of silence, he finally breaks the silence. And the first thing he does is begin to sing a praise song to the Lord. Wouldn't you think after nine months of silence, the first thing he would do and would say is, you know, honey, I've been meaning to tell you something. No. Nine months of silence, nine months of meditation, nine months of consideration, nine months of prayer, nine months of the word of God absorbing in his heart. Nine months. Think about that. Nine months you can't speak. I don't know. Man, that'd be hard for me. I don't know that I could not speak for nine minutes. Don't y'all say amen. That's not amenable. Y'all like, I know. It's hard not to talk. But for nine months, he didn't say anything. I mean, think about it. Nine months of no teaching, no preaching. I mean, Steve Leslie, no nine months of no singing. Pastor Jim, nine months of no counseling and no, no preaching. Zechariah had nine months of silence, and he came out of the silence singing and worshiping, and he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And then notice, fast forward to verse 66. Go ahead and look at it in verse 66 again. And all those who heard them, are you looking at it? And all those who heard them kept them in their hearts saying, what kind of child will this be? Everyone began to wonder what would be the future destiny or what would become of the child. Parents, listen close. Very important here. Word of encouragement, word of exhortation. Parents, listen, don't push your kids to be something that they don't want to be. I see that more and more often in the church, in counseling, parents want the kids to be something that maybe the kids don't want to be. Maybe the parent had, you know, in some part of their life, they wanted to be a doctor and they couldn't be a doctor. And so they forced their kids into college and forced their kids to become a doctor or a lawyer, or you wanted to be a model and you couldn't be a model. And so you force your kids. Listen, don't do that. I have never, honestly, and I have five children, seven grandchildren, I've never forced my child to be anything other than, first of all, to love Jesus with their heart, mind, and soul. I don't care what they do in life. Listen to me. The most important thing, listen to me. The most important thing is that they love Jesus first. That's the most important thing. I'll wait while you clap. Because we get that, don't we get that confused? And we start thinking, well, you know, it's important. I mean, you got to go to college. You have got to go to college. Listen, don't listen to this. And don't get this wrong. I don't think that college is for everyone. I, I really don't. College is not for everyone. And where do we get that model and that, that mindset that everyone must go to college? Not every, college is not for everyone. Everyone cannot succeed in college. Everyone can't go to college. Everyone shouldn't go to college because everybody can't sit in that environment. And maybe that's not what God wants for them. And so we force our kids to go to college and we find ourselves $50,000 broker. Is that a word? I think in the real estate world it is. 
Amen. That's a good save. And we find ourselves having paid all of this money for the child, for your kid to become something that they don't want to be. I have always told my kids, here's the most important thing. There's only two things about life that's important. Number one, that you love Jesus with your heart, mind, and soul. I don't care if you flip burgers at McDonald's. Flip those burgers for Jesus. Flip for Jesus. That's a bumper sticker. That's a T-shirt. Flip for Jesus. And, and, And then secondly, whatever you do, do it and be happy doing it. I've always encouraged my kids, listen, if whatever you do in life and you love doing it, guess what? You will make money at that which you love to do because you just love to do it. And not only that, but you will never work a day in your life if you do that which makes you happy. You never work a day in your life. Do you know, I don't feel like the pulpit and preaching is work for me. Sometimes it's really hard because this doesn't feel like work. I love to preach the gospel. I could do this all day, every day. Whether I got paid, there was times I did it and I didn't get paid. And that's fine. I love to do it. Whether it's in India or Apex or Virginia, it doesn't matter. This is what I love to do. And when you are doing what you love to do, this is just practical. I'm putting the cookies on the shelf where the kids can get them. If you're doing what you love to do, you never really work a day in your life because you get up in the morning, you're like, man, I love doing it. I can't wait to go do it. I know people who honestly have like, you know, masters and PhDs and they absolutely hate it. You could be a brain surgeon, wake up in the morning. Oh, man. Oh, my God. (laughs) Got to go to work and cut open some heads. I know it's kind of morbid, but you get my point, don't you? You're kind of, man, that's kind of sick, man. <laughs> Ronnie, that's sick. But it makes the point that, listen, it doesn't matter what you do. The important thing is that you are doing what you love to do, and then you won't feel like it's work. The people are wondering what will be the future destiny of this child. Well, notice we got to move forward. Look at verse 67. I could talk about that all day, but let's move forward. Look at chapter one, verse 67. If you're looking at it, say, I'm looking at it. Ah, you ain't looking at it. Verse 67, you're looking at it, say, I'm looking at it. Now, his father in verse 67, Zacharias, was filled with the Holy Spirit, prophesied, saying, saying, Blessed is the God, the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation. That speaks of strength. Write that in your margins. That speaks of strength. A horn speaks of strength. It speaks of power. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets who have been since the world began that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he, God, swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness And in righteousness before him all the days of his life. And you, child, in verse 76, will be called the prophet of the highest. 
For you will go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people. How? By the remission of their sins. Through the tender mercy of our God, with which the day spring, would you underline that? With which the day spring from on high has visited us to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. And so finally, verse 80, the child grew and became strong in spirit. Are you getting me? He grew and became strong in spirit. And was in the desert till the day of his manifestation to Israel. Saints, stop right there. Give me your attention. So Zacharias hasn't spoken in nine months. And I get the feeling, listen, things were kind of building up on the inside. And now he gets to let it out. Now this section, beginning in verse 67, is actually commonly known as the Benedictus. And the first half of the song weaves together several Old Testament prophecies that are fulfilled in the Messiah's coming. As Zacharias is filled with the Spirit and he's prophesying. And listen, we know that this is truly Spirit-inspired prophecy because the focus of this prophecy is the unborn Jesus and not Zacharias' son, John. And Zacharias is praising God for fulfilling his promise to his people. The first words out of his mouth, are you getting me? The first words out of his mouth, he's praising God. Do you know I believe this? I think it's an oxymoron that the words out of a Christian's mouth shouldn't be that of praising God. I think it's an oxymoron that some Christians don't like to worship. You ever meet people like they don't, they they just don't like to worship. They don't like to worship anywhere. It doesn't matter, not here, not anywhere. They don't like to worship God. That I do not understand. Saints, God has been good to us. Saints, God has been good to us. I don't know about you, but I take the time to reflect on the goodness of God. God's been good to you. Pastor Rodney, you don't know what I'm going through. I don't know what you're going through, and it doesn't matter. I know God's been good to you. How you know that? Because you're sitting here right now. God woke you up this morning. Did you think you kept yourself alive during the night? If you did, you need Prozac. <laughs> Something wrong with you. It was God who kept you going in the night. It was God who kept your brain going. God woke you up this morning. We take that for granted. God is a good God. Somebody say amen. God is a merciful God. Somebody say amen. God is a loving God. Somebody say amen. God is a great and awesome God. And because of who he is and what he has done, how is it that we are not worshiping people? How is it that it's hard to get people to sing and praise the Lord? I don't need, honestly, I don't need motivation when it comes to worshiping God. Pastor Rodney comes in, sit down, put my Bible down, fix my shirt because I don't want to be crazy while I'm standing up. I don't want to look bad. Y'all do it too, you know. And man, I go to worshiping God. I get my mind on the Lord and I go to worshiping God. I don't worship God because the band's cool and they sound hot. I worship God for who he is. And honestly, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait. And honestly, and honestly, and I mean this, 
if the worship band was up here playing spoons, if they were like, how you do that spoon thing? Y'all know what I'm talking about. If they were up here playing spoons, a washboard, Pastor Rodney can worship God. I can worship God through anything because I worship him for who he is, not for what he gives. I worship him for who he is, not for what he gives. Oh, that's another T-shirt. That's another bumper sticker. Worship him for who he is and not for what he gives. And Zechariah, he worshiped God. First words out of his mouth is worship to God. I can't imagine any Christian who's not a singing, worshiping Christian. And when you talk about worship, honestly, you're not really just talking about singing because your life should be a worship, as an act of worship. As a matter of fact, when you study the Bible, you can actually see that worship has more to do with the way you live your life than what comes out of your mouth. Worship has everything to do with the, the, your, your, your service unto God. Genesis 22, Romans chapter 12. Your service and your giving of your life unto God. And from that, then you let us lift our hands unto the Lord. Let God's people clap their hands unto the God of our salvation. Because we worship him in giving our lives. And we worship him with the fruit of our lips. And I could talk about worship all day because I love it. Zechariah, see, first words out of his mouth. I think that's just fascinating. First words out of his mouth is praise and worship and thanksgiving to God. Look at verse 74 in your Bibles. Zechariah hadn't seen it yet, but he sees in the spirit that there is a day coming. Remember, he's prophesying as he's singing. These are prophecies woven together. Are y'all getting me? These prophecies are woven together and he sees in the spirit that there is a day coming when Israel and all who believe will serve God without fear. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light. Let me be a salt.